Incoming hostiles. for the week of August 7th, 2019. My name is Nick, and across the world from me, wearing an Avengers shirt next to Spider-Man, is my brother Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? You've had a busy weekend. I have. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really hot. I have rolled up my short sleeves. I am, like, smelting in here. I'm smelting in here. What's the temperature uh, over there? Um, right now, the temperature is, according to uh, the Apple one, it's only 83 degrees, which, but in my house, it's hotter for some reason. It, I don't hmm. know. It just traps heat in. I can't, I can't tell you what it is. Like but, a microwave. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> we don't really use the AC much, so that's another reason why. And also, it's six o'clock. Things are starting to cool off. But yeah, so yeah, I'm hot. Uh, yeah, this weekend, I, I had a couple friends over on Friday. Uh, we just swam and stuff, and they left. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to write something, or I'm just going to start. Com-. And it was one of those things where it was like I was going to come up with an idea and just kind of like let it fester in my brain for a few for a few days or a few weeks, maybe a week or so, and then, and then really work on it. But then I came up with an idea that I just kind of took to, and I, w- I was telling my buddy Jose about it because I, I have, I've come up with a ton of ideas that I try to write and I always hit a brick wall when I do it. And it's like pulling teeth to get me to write something. Even ideas that I am really passionate about or really like, I'll sit down and write them and I just can't get it to. But I don't know, this idea that I had immediately worked and like I saw the whole thing happen. And first night I wrote 20 pages and then Saturday until 4 a.m. on Sunday. I wrote the remaining 60. Uh, so, uh, which, it, you know, it, uh, is is kind of like saying if a pa- if every page is a paragraph, I wrote like 60 paragraphs. It, it's just weird because when you're writing scripts, it's not as much content as if I was writing 60 pages of a, of a novel or something sure, like that. Sure, sure. But it still requires a lot of effort and timing and so stuff. So what was the total page count? 89. Well, if if a page is a minute, right, then it should be about an hour and a half. Yeah, about uh, a ninety-minute film. Give, yeah, give or take. But it's just the first draft. Uh, sure. And obviously, and since I just wrote it in less than thirty-six hours, I there there's a lot of like Revi- revising. Yeah. So, but uh, if you didn't know, this is a gaming podcast. Not Nick talks about writing movie scripts podcast. Yeah, uh, we post every Tuesday on YouTube.com and on podcast services. You can find out more about us on at WhereGaming.com, and you can tweet to us at WhereGaming underscore. 
And if you want to be a part of the show, you can write in to our email, weekly at wearegaming.com. We're going to get into the who, what, and the where. So to start us off, we are going to be talking about PlayStation because we are, what is it called? Sony ponies? Is that what they call it? Yeah. PlayStation 4 has sold 1 million units nope. worldwide. No. Nope. Wrong already. 100 million units. There you go. 100 million worldwide. By Adam Bankhurst. This comes from IGN. PlayStation 4 has officially sold and shipped 100 million units worldwide to retailers as of the three-month quarter that ended on June 30th, 2019. And Sony's Q1 fiscal year 2019, Consolidated Financial Results announced that 3.2 million PlayStation 4 units had been sold, which would bring the grand total of 96.8 million units back in April to 100 million as of the end of last month. The 3.2 million units sold is up from the 2.6 million units of last quarter, and identical to the 3.2 million earned in the same quarter last year. According to Daniel Ahmad, senior analyst at Nico Partners, PlayStation 4 is now the fastest home console to reach 100 million units uh, sell in at five years and seven months since its launch at, on November 15, 2013. This beats out the PlayStation 2's five years and nine months it took to achieve the same goal. PlayStation 4 software sales at 40, were at 42.9 million for the past three months, up from the 40.6 million of the same period last year, although they were down from the 54.7 million of last quarter. It's also interesting to note that in Q1 fiscal year 2019, the PlayStation 4 game software digital download ratio was 53%, meaning that more people purchased or downloaded digital PS4 software than purchased physical copies. Sony also revealed that there are now 36.2 million PlayStation Plus subscribers, which may be down from the 36.4 million of last quarter, but is up from the 33.9 million of Q1 of 2018. As for the future, Sony is predicting it will sell 15 million PlayStation 4 units throughout its fiscal year in 2019, ending in March 31st, 2020, which is down from the, the previous estimate of 16 million. Uh, Sony has said it is due to lower than expected non-first-party software sales and lower than expected PS4 hardware unit sales. Um, another factor in this decline may also be over inching closer to the upcoming release of the yet-to-be-named PlayStation 5, <laughs> uh, which may or may not be causing some to wait to see what Sony hasn't planned for that generation. Um, yeah, what I found most interesting about this was... Uh, the thing you mentioned that was the um, yeah I, the digital I, sales. Well, I w- I was curious because Taku had an there was a bunch of articles going around and Taku had an article saying that PS4 has shipped 100 million units worldwide, and the first line of this one said, "Well, the article is uh, PlayStation 4 has sold 100 million units," and those two those two terms don't mean the same thing. Right. Shipped shipped typically means literally shipped to retailers and third-party sellers and whereas sold is actually sold to consumers so i had i was questioning that until we got to the daniel ahmad part of the article where it said uh first the first home console to fastest re- fastest that's right fastest home console to reach 100 million 100 million unit selling if i can talk <laughs> uh, it was hard to read it was hard to read the whole yeah. thing so 100 million unit sell in, which means that, yes, they have sold 100 million units to consumers. 
but very interesting. I mean, obviously not the first, won't be the last, but it's good to see that PlayStation is going as strong as ever. The one I, I thought the fifty. Go ahead. That that the fifty three percent ratio download ratio uh, I thought was telling because uh, we are slowly and slowly getting closer to the digital feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know tangent, but I don't think that there will be a like a hundred percent digital feature. It'll probably be like ninety eight percent. I see uh, people but, talking about questioning all the time. Oh, I was surprised that the PS five would have a disk drive or the next generation will have a disk drive. And I don't know why anybody is surprised that the next generation would have a disk drive. We're not right. I mean, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. There's too many places around the world that would not be able to play games because there's no disk drive and they don't right. have access to high speed internet to download those games. You would, you know, have to wait two weeks for a game to download in some areas. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that that doesn't surprise me. So, but we are getting closer, and as infrastructure improves, we will get closer and closer to that. The only thing I wish they would have said was what it was before, like in the previous fiscal year. Sure. Uh, just just because I want to see, like, is it like a huge change than before? Is it a, a big one? I mean, you and I are almost exclusively digital now. Yeah. Um, I I think on a whim, mainly because I just, I guess missed the feeling of shopping for games at GameStop. I like bought. Like Battlefield One and, and another game or so, but and, and my PSVR games, I most of them are physical too for some reason because they were cheaper to get. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, I, I think I think all this is interesting and good good stuff. Yep. Um, though it probably won't help that there's this trade tariff. Wow. Right. Uh, but before I bring that up, there was an article I did pull because most of that stuff was actually reiterated in this first article about the 100 million units sold. But the the PlayStation side of it brought up Sony's... Uh, let me look at that headline. PlayStation propels Sony to the best Q1 operating profit ever. So and that, that was from Push Square. I'm not going to read the whole article because it reiterates most of what we've already just read. But interesting to note that while other areas of Sony are down, PlayStation is is carrying the weight of Sony's profit. Yeah, you know, in a way, I kind of thought that it always was. I mean, I've never bought a Sony TV. Sony movies aren't, or well, are now owned by... No, that's not true. That's Fox. Anyway, let's continue. All right. So uh, Sony warns PlayStations uh, will cost more if Chinese tariffs continue. Chinese tariffs continue. Uh, Trump's trade war would directly impact cons- console production. <laughs> okay, can we just talk about for the moment? The Chinese tariffs continue Trump's trade war. Like... Even though it's a C in Chinese, the like the ch and the ta and the cut is like the ch and the ta and the ka. <laughs> the ka. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, say go ahead and do it. Do it one more time. Um, Sony warns PlayStation's will cost more if Chinese tariffs continue. Trump's trade war <laughs> <laughs> would directly impact console production. Uh, now we've talked about this a few times in the past. We know the tariffs are going to be a problem. We saw where Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo wrote a letter saying, "Hey, this is not going to be good for please the, don't do the that, American com- <laughs> economy." As you know, on top of not being good for them. So this uh, is from uh, D- Dami Dami Lee. 
over at The Verge. <clears throat> Sony has warned that the PlayStation consoles that that PlayStation consoles will be more expensive if if the Trump administration goes ahead with higher tariffs on more Chinese exports. The Wall Street Journal reports the Trump administration, which raised tariffs from 10 percent to 25 percent on a on 200 billion dollars worth of Chinese goods this past May, is now threatening to expand tariffs to an additional 300 billion dollars worth of Chinese exports. Which, which would include video game consoles. In preparation for the potential expansion of tariffs, Sony says it's now considering its options, including uh, passing the co cost of production onto its consumers. Uh, the Wall Street Journal paints the, uh, the price increase as a necessary, ste necessary step if the tariffs continue, though one Sony exec clarified that nothing ha has been decided yet. Quote, we believe and therefore have told the U.S. government that higher tariffs would ultimately damage the U.S. economy. End quote. Uh, Sony's financial chief, Hiroki Todoko, uh, Todoki, said today. Uh, Sony teamed up with Microsoft and Nintendo. And we talked about that. Um, the seven-page letter estimated that consumers would have about $840 million in costs shifted directly to them, and 200,000 200, American jobs would be at risk. In preparation for the potential tariffs, console makers have begun confronting whether to take their manufacturing businesses out of China Last month, Nintendo. Last month, Nintendo started moving production of its new Switch models from China to Southeast Asia. However, neither Sony or Microsoft have recently, which have recently refuted reports of the company taking Xbox production out of China, have made any moves yet. That's just to keep the conversation going. That the tariffs are, you know, still looming. Uh, we just want to keep that in in mind as uh, the next generation moves forward. I mean, it could yeah. that could potentially even affect the cost of PS4s current currently. If you know, whenever this you know tariff would take place, it would immediately affect the cost of mm -hmm. consoles and hardware. So, I think the last time that we brought this up, uh, it was probably when we were we were reading the letters, or at least talking about the letters. And it was kind of more of an idea, but now like PlayStation is expressly saying like, this is going to happen, and. It will be on them, on the consumers to have to carry the burden, as it were. Uh, right. It's, it's not looking good. I don't want to have to pay more money for my consoles than I already have to. Right. So I, wa I wonder what, what that markup would be. If I already had to pay $300, $400 for a console, if that would mark it up to like five and six per thing or more. Yeah. Like, I mean, could we accident could we see because of the tariffs, the return of that five ninety nine US dollar? That's so bad. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that would one that just wouldn't go over well. Two, I, I mean, if, if it goes up too far, I mean, that would put even you know like us out of getting it day one. Like, yeah, yeah, and it puts it into like PC category sometime of how much things would cost, or like those those VR headsets and stuff that are super expensive. Yeah. All right. All right. E three accidentally leaks personal details of journalists, YouTubers, and analysts, and there are over two thousand names on the list. This is, comes from Christopher Dring at GamesIndustry.biz. Though this was a big thing on the internet just just recently, everyone was talking about it, and it was, to to our world, this was almost worse than Equifax breach. <laughs> the way people were responding to it. I mean, I'm not saying that it wasn't. It's not bad, but I'm just like the way it was like responded to. It, I was like, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, the private details of 2025 games industry journalists and their video producers and video producers have been leaked online. The list was accessible via the website through a download link. Organizers 
the Entertainment Software Association told GamesIndustry.biz that they regret the occurrence and have removed the link. The list includes names, publications, home addresses, email addresses, and phone numbers of games journalists, streamers, and YouTube creators, plus financial analysts and investors. ESA was made aware of a website vulnerability that led to the contact list of registered journalists attending E3 being made public. The trade body said in a statement. Once notified, we immediately took steps to protect that data and shut down the site, which no longer, which is no longer available. We regret this occurrence and have been uh, and have put measures in place to ensure it will never happen again. The list, the list exists so that publishers and developers can invite analysts and media events to private viewings and take place that take place during the E3 show. This leak was discovered by YouTube creator Sophia Narwitz updated the esa has since re- released a full explanation and apology for the data leak which reads as the statement read the esa was made aware yesterday of a website vulnerability on the exhibitor portal section of the e3 website unfortunately a vulnerability was exploited and this list became public we regret that this happened and we are sorry we provide esa members and exhibitors a media list on password protected exhibitor sites so they can invite you to e3 press events connect you with connect with you for interviews and let you know that we are showcasing for more than 20 years, there have never been an issue, and when we found we took down the E3 exhibitor portal and ensured the media list was no longer available on the E3 website. Again, we apologize for the inconvenience and have already taken steps to ensure this will not happen again. My question for you, is this going to affect E3? Uh, no, no, this is not going to affect E3. I mean, luckily, there we're not talking like payment details and social security numbers, but for you know i mean there are home addresses and phone numbers and i was gonna say but for youtube creators and journalists like that stuff home addresses email addresses phone numbers is is as damaging for those guys as it would be to have their social security number taken because yeah their entire business and organization is not to mention their home addresses are reliant on effective communication and if their email addresses and phone numbers are now at the hands of spam just anybody really anybody who gets mm-hmm. a hold of the people who took whatever's on there anyone who's a fan of something right. like if it, if that got on reddit if that got on whatever which i'm sure it did then like so now you can just call up your favorite so now those especially the popular ones are faced with okay you know do we have to move do we have to change our email addresses and you know if i change my email address all those contacts that i have you know i'll have to email them all my new address or, you know, and phone number. And so that could be, I mean, yeah, qu- qu- quite a see, headache. I, I'd like to hear from those kinds of people what kind of things they are doing, if they're doing anything. Like if, if they start <clears> getting mail from strange thing people or, or just more more amounts of con- contact than they would have before. Or if like, see, I didn't even know this thing happened until it was already taken down. Not that I... I tried to look for it or anything, but like I just I just figured like Yeah. Okay. This happened and it's over. So. It sounds to me like this was on a website, like they were saying, this was a link that if you were an exhibitor you could click click on and enter a password. Mm-hmm. And then you you would log into a portal and then you would have access to all the sites and uh media outlets that would be that are confirmed to attend. So you could send out a blanket email or you could contact specific creators saying hey we're going to do this or that or i need to mail them something so that's why their home addresses would be on there or or, you know business addresses or what have you Mm -hmm. so um it sounds like this was this link was intentionally was intentional to be there it was just not intentional that 
it was it was accessible by anybody. And um, though I am curious if it's like, I, I mean, I'm rereading this thing, and I said, is it just like a breach, or is it that someone who was <clears throat> one of those people who uh, an organizer personally leaked it? I, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how 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 you were able to exploit it if the list was just click on it and you got the list that's not really an exploit that's that's a failure to protect but i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know i mean obviously it's on the esa to make sure that all that information is protected so they dropped the ball here yeah i don't think this spells like disaster for e- esa more than anything else uh, it's, yeah. it's just an unfortunate well, yeah, it's an unfortunate one of those many unfortunate byproducts of having the internet is things like this are going to happen i saw some like rhetoric online on groups and stuff that was like <laughs> uh, publishers pulling out of E3 isn't what's going to shut down ESA. They're going to do it themselves, uh, E3. And uh, and I was like, I mean, this is not not like make this any small thing. I think it's just like E3 is mo- it will continue to happen because <laughs> gamers love games more than they love people knowing where their addresses. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I, I, that's how I look at it. It's probably not the professional way to look at it. But it's just. <laughs> When I see it, I don't see it affecting things the way it seems other people do. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably, yeah. Tell us about Destiny, Josh. All right. I put this on there, obviously, because Destiny, you know, speaks to us. And just thought it was, you know, good good to pass on the knowledge. Uh, Bungie delays free-to-play Destiny 2 to October. Developer sa- says... Crap, I was waiting. Yeah. Developer says newfound independence means it can take longer to ensure the best transition from james bachelor at gamesindustry.biz bungie has announced industry.biz bungie has announced that destiny 2's shadow keep and new light expansions have been delayed both were due for release on september 17th but an update via the developer's website reveals they will now launch on october 1st the studio said that as the september window approached it has become increasingly clear to us that our release releases for this fall would benefit from a bit more time in the oven quote being independent means the future of destiny 2 isn't entirely on our team it also means that we're agile enough to choose what to do what's best for the game and our players even if it's the hard choice uh, this fall is the first step on a journey of for what our team wants destiny 2 to become a place for you and your friends to play anytime anywhere owning the action uh, mmo and rpg elements that we love about the game and crushing barriers to entry for friends we just need a bit of extra time to take that first step the goal of crush- crushing barriers refers in particular to new light a free-to-play version of destiny's 2 designed to expand the audience this is the first release bungie has handled since it parted ways with activision earlier this year instead of seeking another publisher the developer has decided to push forward with destiny independently giving it complete control over its release dates destiny has been a september staple the original launched in 2014 Major, That's true. Yep, major expansions, The Taken King, Rise of Iron, Destiny 2, and it's and Forsaken all released in the same window. Bungie has assured there will still be plenty of Destiny activity d- this September with an additional Iron Banner event and an extension of the current Moments of Triumph challenge. Quote, we didn't make this decision lightly. Uh, we know for some of you, us too, Destiny releases are events where you take time off of work or develop. Well, hopefully they don't take time off of work during that. <laughs> 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 or uh, develop a sudden sickness that keeps you from school or work. We get it. A bunch of our team takes some time off to go on their own Destiny j- jacket quests. <laughs> well, that explains why there's a delay. Right. <laughs> We're sorry for screwing up your plans. And uh, we wanted to share this information as quickly as we could. So That's fun. Uh, that, that's a fun way to end that. Yeah. I, I think people are going to give Bungie all the benefit of the doubt at this time until we oh yeah until they for like sure. mega drop the ball or something you know destiny fans are excited 
about having an Activision free Destiny, See, and I, 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 and you're talking I, what two two and a half weeks of a delay is not is not a big deal, and so yeah, this is just I'm interested good. in. Uh, d- d- uh, I mean, yeah, there's a delay. Enjoy it in October. Uh, I'm curious for you, who's probably more in the know. Like I play the game and I have fun, but I don't have a critical eye on playing the game. Like I'll be like, oh, this is fun. Or I suck at this, so I'm not playing it. Uh, but you might know more of like, you know, anytime there was controversy around Destiny or Destiny 2, it was very technical stuff. Oh, it feels too much like this, or it doesn't feel enough like this. And to me, honestly, playing both games felt similar, even though I liked the kind of content in Destiny 2 more. Does that make any sense? Uh, well, that, does that statement make sense? Not the question. I mean... Destiny two, I haven't feels feels like a, a just a better Destiny one. I mean, it's right, right. Uh, well, I'm just people, but I'm I'm saying like there are people who can tell you that oh, there's like this drop rate and there's this stuff and there's all this stuff that like is super important to them that Activision was messing up. I guess my real question is what. What are they excited for now that Activision's not? Well, I mean, there there were many things. Like, when Destiny 2 first released, I mean, a lot of what had made the end of Destiny 1 really good was not there. So, mm. I, that's true. remember, yeah, that's true. they in, in the beginning of Destiny 2, they were really catering to trying to bring as many people in as possible. Anybody could jump in. It was a casual game, you know. So, there were, the progression wasn't strong. The end game wasn't strong. What? Are they not afraid that this is going to be that? Because now that it's going to be a free-to-play? No, because um, they're talking about embracing the uh, the MMORPG elements. Whereas until until this release window, until they've broken away, they wouldn't even mention that they were kind of an MMORPG. Hmm. They, they didn't want to scare those anybody away with saying they were an MMO or... It was a in it was a deep RPG. They didn't want to do that, and so they didn't. But everybody who played it wanted that, mm-hmm. and so with them saying, "Hey, we're go- we're going full RPG," and some of the stuff we've seen in the the Vidox and the uh, the developer diaries have shown that <clears throat> they're really bringing depth to uh, the armor system and the weapon system that you can start cre- crafting your own destiny. Then. So with things like that and them showing a lot more of that RPG stuff, that's what that's what people are excited about. Okay. Not to mention they're toning down on the Eververse micro tra- yeah, microtransactions. Yeah. They're they're making it more feel like a game that isn't making making you buy things, and the fact that buying things isn't going to make things better. Right. Right. Cool. Cool. I just wanted to hear your perspective sure. on that. Cause... And I haven't played Destiny in a for, in forever, but I continue to you know keep my eye on it because I want to get back in it one day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, special effect announces one special day, 2019. Over 50 game companies joined the global fundraising effort for players with disabilities. This is from Hayden Taylor at GamesIndustry.biz. Accessibility charity Special Effect has announced the return of its annual fundraising event, One Special Day. Scheduled for Friday, October 4th this year, it has over 50 partners, including Sega, Codemasters, JagX, and Zynga. As ever, some companies will be donating an entire day's income from sales, while others will stage their own fundraising events. 
Since launching in 2016, One Special Day has raised over 900,000 pounds with support from developers and players around the world. All proceeds go directly to special effects so it can continue its work making games accessible to people with disabilities. We are overjoyed with the response again this year and very grateful to our One Special Day partners, said CEO and co-founder Dr. Mick Donegan. The day unites the world, the worldwide games industry and their fantastic communities of gamers because they all understand what incredible work we're doing here. Special Effect has a profoundly positive impact on the lives of disabled gamers and events like One Special Day play a huge uh, role in enabling us to reach more in the coming year. Also signing up this year is Rock City, Space Ape, Mini Clip, Seriously, Outfit 7, and Rare. Nice. Because of their unique work, special effect holds a special place in our heart, and indeed because of the and indeed the whole of the video games industry. So we're con- looking forward to making one special day, twenty nineteen, the biggest so far," said Rare Studio head Craig Duncan. Rich Eddy, director of communications at Jagex, added, "Our RuneScape community has celebrated special effects' incredible work for many years. There was no question that Jagex would be a proud supporter of." this year's events and play a big part in one special day by putting the fun and inclusion back into the lives of those with physical disabilities to play video games the work of special effect really levels the playing field so before like this is a really awesome thing but i just have one small thing to say is that rock said he can come to this <laughs> but not e3 not the game awards this nothing. is more important in no. a way so, so this is yeah, much this, more this important is... not not really much to say on it other than that you know i like to put these stories in here Talk about fundraising events and things like that. So. Yeah, I guess I'm curious. Like, are you supposed to go to a website, or is this an event? Like, if you buy something from one special or from special effect, it you know that's goes to that's a good question. Let me see if I can look it up real quick. One special. Right. While you do that, I'll go ahead and read the next. Okay. Part. PlayStation Plus free games for August: Wipeout, Omega Collection, Sniper Four Elite. That's from the PlayStation blog. And then Xbox Games with Gold from the Xbox Wire. Gears of War 4 from, uh, is available from August 1st to the 31st on Xbox One. Forza Motorsport 6 available August 16th to September 15th on Xbox One. Torchlight comes available August 1st to the 15th on Xbox One and uh, Xbox 360. And Castlevania Lords of Shadows available August 16th to the 31st on Xbox One and Xbox 360. Any, All right, I, I'm, I'm at their website. It's onespecialday.org.uk. You can go there and uh, look it up. I'm in in the two minutes I've looked. It doesn't really say like exactly what they're doing. If it's like some kind of live stream or that gives you it gives you ways to get involved and kind of what like what they do in general. But as far as the event, one special day, not sure what exactly goes on. So, but definitely keep an eye out for it. Look it up. Um, it's a really neat thing that we can all get together and do. Yeah. So, did you have a, a one more story? I did have one more story. This is this was going on on Twitter. I thought it was interesting. None of the major news sites are bringing it up for reasons that are you know controversial. But this is from uh, Dexerto. dot com. Uh, Michael Gillen, William, William, Colin Moriarty claims PAX misled his fans by canceling the, his PlayStation panel. So, for those who don't know, Colin Moriarty is a, is a right-leaning 
um, more central leaning political voice on the internet, but he's best known for his work on uh, the PlayStation podcast uh, from IGN, uh, Podcast Beyond, as well as the Kind of Funny guys. He helped start Kind of Funny, and then there was a big uh, controversy that happened, and he left. So he started his own company called Collins Last Stand, and from there, I'll just read what the article is saying. <clears throat> Uh, Moriarty said he received an email from PAX on July 30th telling him that his Sacred Symbols podcast the panel had been removed from the event, but didn't specify... Uh, well, he had an event. Oh, is that does that say in the article? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's saying uh, he, it had been removed. So they had already told him that he could have his event and to tell his fans to be there. So back to the uh, article. They told him his Sacred Symbols podcast panel had been removed from the event but didn't specify as to why. A screen grab of the email titled Panel quote, uh, panel Schedule Change was posted on Moriarty's Twitter account. <laughs> quote, PAX West rescinded a Sacred Symbols panel today, so if you were planning to go, sorry. I asked why, and I'm waiting on a response, he said before showing the email. And they responded, Apologies, we fortunately have to remove your panel from the PAX West 2019 schedule. We apologize for any confusion and are happy to still issue special guest badges to you and the folks who had designated you had designated as speakers, so you would still have access to the show for all four days. So basically, they told him he could come. They said he, they gave him a theater, they, you know, a, a venue. They told him his fans could come, and then rescinded that offer, canceled his panel, but still offered to give him passes for packs. I mean, hey, you can still come. Yeah, you can still come and yeah. spend money. And look. Sacred Symbols host replied to the email asking why the panel had been removed and voiced concerns that people had already bought passes to the event to see him and Chris Raygun, his co-host. This is his quote. I must admit I'm saddened by this, not only because I think it's pretty obvious, quote, what happened, but also because I was actually looking forward to doing our show there, end quote. Uh, Colin stated in a follow-up tweet, it was dumb to think that we'd get a fair shake, and obviously I won't be trying to do this again. I'm sorry. In an update, Colin said he sent a second email asking again why the panel had been, was canceled. He was told explicitly to tell his, after he was told explicitly to tell his audience about it and even had access to Pax's panel back in to refine the name description and more on july 31st moriarty sent a third email to pax quote i've been advised that under the legal standard of promissory estoppel uh, your organization is indeed responsible for offering an avenue for refunds for those you misled and as uh, chris and i were also misled parties we will need the capital we invested into this panel back but the important thing right now is making sure those affected in my audience are taken care of if they don't want to go anymore now i'm not going to keep going through this i just think the pax west is a very popular gaming of you know convention that they signed up to do a panel they were approved by pax to do a playstation podcast we're not a political podcast cast not you know anything weird and then they told him go ahead start inviting your fans and then they did all that and then the rug was pulled out from under him and they also followed up and said that they would not be offering refunds to the fans because panels are in their terms condition uh, terms and conditions are set to change i thought this was uh something to bring up because no not many people are talking about it um colin himself after they said they would not be offering refunds offered his fans refunds uh, up to a certain amount, I think 20, said he would offer refunds to 20 of his fans because Pax wouldn't. That's all I really wanted to do, to bring up. So, for this, so here's the thing, and this is me. This may not be Josh. This is my opinion on the whole thing. And so let me get it out because sometimes it takes me a long to talk if you haven't already figured that out yet. 
there are times when there is someone who's invited to an event who's controversial and they're controversial because they're a bad person. And when they get removed from the event, they are, it is applauded. The people who remove them are applauded. There have been times when a bad person's in a TV show and that per person in that TV show gets fired because they were a bad person. And that's a good thing. This is not that. There have been times where there has been many things that I really disagree with him on uh, politically, but I don't go to him for those things. Sometimes I'm interested in his perspective because he looked at things in a much, much different way than that much different in a different way than I do. But that's not what any of this is about. This is about people. This is me projecting my thoughts on what happened. People don't like this person. People don't want to go to a thing that has this person there. And they feel like that this person being there is like, uh, what's the term? Validating his personal opinions, which is just not what that is. No. And and here's another thing. There are so many. Uh, I I have the people that I listen to in the games industry. When, when I those, There's podcasts that I listen to. There's people I listen to. There are hundreds and hundreds of people that I've never heard of and probably would really hate to listen to. I would not rejoice one bit if they did not have their, if they were told this, yeah. that they could have their little and, thing and, the, and, the, and then not. Right. And, and the point is, one, if they, they didn't give a reason. They have not stated a reason. They didn't say there was a scheduling conflict that uh, if the the venue went down. They didn't have. They gave literally no reason. Like that, even if that wasn't, even if there was the reason that I just said, but they said, "Hey, we're sorry, we couldn't book you anymore because something." Yeah, just like what you're saying. It'd been fine. And then it's not like this was an alt right PlayStation show. It's it's just it's just a PlayStation podcast where they just yeah. talk about PlayStation. And I think the plan was they were going to go in and do like Q and A, like just it was just a yeah. an hour and a fifty minutes of fans asking questions. And yeah. and then if this, if, if I'm I don't, I don't really listen to the podcast, but if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this would have been like their first live oh, yeah. appearance as Sacred. Uh, totally, their first live um, experience event, and they were both excited about it. Chris has never done anything like that. Uh, this would be Colin's first public event since leaving. Kind of funny. Who uh, yes. and kind of funny has two panels at PAX West. Really? Yeah. So not only that, it would have been okay. the first time you could have seen all of them together in the same and venue since <laughs> since the big breakup. He's he's a center libertarian. He left a Republican Party. Like he's not even a Republican anymore. So yeah, I thought you said he's a center. He's a center. <laughs> no, you know he's an atheist, so he, he doesn't care. You know? <laughs> um. So yeah. I I just uh, think it's important to bring this up like, because yeah. if this was anybody else. So, someone, if I mean, if you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Greg Miller got an email. He was banned from E3 because, yeah, and everyone was and everybody, everybody on Twitter started going off about it. And then if it if it had progressed to more than a couple days, it would have been it would have been IGN news. It would have been everywhere because it's, it, yeah. it's Greg Miller, one of the most biggest names in games journalism, and just as as a figurehead, he's he's a popular host of many panels and. So if he had been, if they had just said Counterfunny can't come because for for no reason, that that would be news. And because mm -hmm. Colin is a controversial figure, you can't talk about Colin on certain websites because they'll just ban you. I think a lot of a lot of these sites are not giving him his due. He worked hard in the industry. He was a he was a 
prominent PlayStation figure at IGN. And the fact that all of a sudden he, he's hated because he, for for no reason. There's no... He shares a few different opinions. Yeah, he, show, he shares a different opinion. Um, On something that's not related to his, his yeah. work. So I wanted to bring that up. I know it's controversial and, you know, some people may not like, like Han and that's fine. I don't, you know, you can not like somebody. It's just bizarre to me how, why this culture is okay to bash someone who's legitimately helped, uh, you know, made his way through this, through the uh, games journalism. Sorry, that was a tangent. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I just thought I'd bring it up, but yeah. Um, did I tell you, I told you. I didn't tell them that I uh, finished Red Dead Redemption. Congratulations! Two. I didn't. I, I did not finish the epilogue, so maybe I haven't. I have not technically rolled credits. <laughs> I guess I've completed most of, everything that I've wanted to really bad, and then the epilogue I'll, I'll get to. Not that I don't want to play it. It's just I've like, finished the epilogue. It was a lot. Finish the epilogue. Okay, fine, whatever. But we can't. I can't. I don't want to talk anymore. See, the thing is about spoiling this game is that. If it's been a year for me to beat this game, I can only. Yeah, we're not going like to talk. We're not going to spoil anything for them, but I'll, you have to finish the epilogue. <laughs> okay, I will. I did um, download. Uh, I think I interrupted your thought. Go ahead. No, that, that was. It. I mean, I'm not going to. I think the last two podcasts I've spent at least five or so minutes talking about the game, yeah. so you can go listen to those if you want to hear my opinions. But I just wanted you to know that I finished. Um, I played a little bit of Crash Bandicoot, a little bit more. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I played the second mini boss. Let me tell you, it was super frustrating because you have it was like a, a you're on a, like a river or whatever and you have these nine squares you have to jump around and while this other character is jumping that if he lands on you it kills you and then you have these giant tnt blocks that you have to jump on that are flowing in the water depth in that game is terrible trying to jump from block to block because you're it's not like a top down it's more isometric so you're trying to jump in this 3d plane where it was it was just terrible to judge. And every mm -hmm. time you died, you mm -hmm. started from the beginning of the encounter. It didn't like there was like three to a mid check. Yeah. There there was you had to hit them three times with these bombs that you had to tr try to jump and avoid this this jumping character and try to jump on these blocks that were in the water and not land in the water. Mm. And it was awful. I would I miss jumps just left and right. Like I, I was probably doing that uh, battle for like 30 minutes trying to jump. Wow. And you only had to hit him three times. So, <sighs> yes, yeah. it was it was frustrating. And then I only played a couple more levels after I finally got through that. And I was like, OK, I can't I can't anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's how I was getting with Katana Zero. I'm reaching the, the end of that game. It's getting it's getting really hard. And it's more like I've, it's always kind of been this way, but it's becoming even more and more of a dance with it, like. Of just like knowing the moves, not quite, not in the same way of like people. People would argue with me saying, "Well, no, that's well, it's not like Celeste." I'm like, "No, it's not like Celeste. It, it's easier than Celeste, sure." But I'm just saying it's getting to the point where you go through the whole level and you finally get to the last thing, and then a character who you didn't know was going to be there pops out and kills you, and you're like, "Oh my god!" So, and in a way, it's fun because then you're like, "Oh, that character's going to come out." So now I know yeah. what I can do. And, but, and then when you get they change where the guy comes from. So one time he came up from the top floor and then the next time he came out from the bottom floor and I was not expecting that. I'm like, oh, uh, you know, he, he for like three three tries, he kept coming out from the top. And so I finally figured out how to get him from the top. And then he wasn't there. I'm like, oh, did I already get him? And then I dropped down to this next section and he was there and he just shoots me. I'm like, oh, 
So, yeah. Yeah. It switches it up on me. But it does feel good once you like finally know the mo- all the moves. You're just like pixel perfect on every jump and roll and like mm-hmm. you like do a partial like freeze and then like you click freeze stop or you get to the point where you don't even have to freeze time anymore. That's for Yeah, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's, a- that's fun because like now you're just doing it in real time and you're just that quick at it. You know, but but I I have to do that with the, with the new map. I have to do it. But if I've played the same level over and over again, trying to not die, then yeah, like like hitting bullets back yeah. at the people, easy. Like oh, roll, 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 slap, roll, roll, slap. Yeah, yeah. we're good. Jump, th- so, throw the bomb. Like I, I, there was one mm-hmm. level I did where basically it was very similar to what you were saying. There was just like this one guy at the end I could not get past. I, I was able to do basically the whole level without holding, without without freezing the, the, time the at time all. Frame. And that just felt really cool. Yeah, that sucks you can't play it anymore. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I keep thinking about the Switch. If the Switch Lite would connect to the TV, I would get it. Yeah. If it would just, just connect to the TV, because I want it, because... Uh, because it's not a switch if it doesn't connect to the TV, and I, I mean, yeah. I want to, I want to feel that D pad. See if it's like a really good D pad. I just can't. Um, and then I was going to hop into The Witcher Three. Oh, really? I downloaded it because one of the YouTube guys I watch, you might know him from Because Science, oh, Kyle. Kyle. Uh, someone had asked him what his favorite video game of all time, and he says currently it's The Witcher Three. He just hundred percented The Witcher Three and all the DLCs, and he wow. he listed so he listed I- games. That I would consider in my top, like my top favorite games of all time, which led me to think mm-hmm. I would probably like this game, like her, like God of War, Horizon, Spider Man. He listed all yes. those, and I was like, okay, well, if this beat out those, and those are his top games. I might actually in- enjoy this one, and it's a third person RPG, which helps. Yeah. So I, um, so I tried starting it when I was still back in Kentucky. And uh, I was having a hard time with it, but it was still at the same right before we bought Red Dead. So it was like, I didn't really want to get into it. And I probably will. Uh, but I'm surprised that out of everyone who's told you how good that game is, or who has just mentioned it on the internet or whatever, it took the Because Science Guy to, to Yeah, I mean, I, I've always heard it's good, and I'm sure, I'm sure it is. And I still may not like it. It might just be just too dense for me. But Well, well hearing what you had to say... You said this to me either off the air one day or on the air uh, that games that have just too much stuff mm-hmm. bother you uh, because you just you want to get it all done. And I remember um, when this game came out, that's what since we talked about him, Colin yeah. said he's like he can't finish the Winter Witch Three because there's just too much stuff. Yeah, uh, Fallout Four same way. Uh, so I'm interested to see if you you see the map. When, I mean, I haven't seen it yet either. If you see the map open, I'm just like nope. Yeah, out. I mean, I still beat Assassin's Creed uh, Black Flag. I remember that one was just like ridiculous with the amount of like. You didn't hundred percent. No, either, though. but I, I wasn't trying to. So if if I if, if I go into it like that and only do the side missions as as I want and not just and not feel obligated to hit everything, I, I think it'd be fine. And as long as there's like a clear direction of what I'm supposed to be doing, unlike Skyrim, which I hopped into and I got lost in the mountains somewhere, and I was like. It was going to take yeah. too long to walk back, and I just, like, no, I'm done. <laughs> Anything else you've been playing? Uh, No. Or is, is that it really it? I think that's it. Uh, I think now we're down to what's out this week. Game's out this week? All right. Out this week. Must Dash Amigo comes to PC and Xbox One on August 7th. The Forbidden Arts comes to Xbox One, PC, and Switch on August 7th. Or, yeah, 7th. Uh, Damsel PC. Uh, Damsel comes to PC, phones, Switch, and Xbox One on August 7th. 
Pillars of Eternity Complete Edition comes to Switch on August 8th. Sword Art Online com uh, Fatal Bullet Complete Edition comes to Switch on August 9th. And Friday the 13th, the game Ultimate Slasher Edition comes to Switch on August 13th. There was another... And that's our uh, show. There was another uh, oh, go ahead. game that was a surprise. It was coming to Switch. And I, let me write it down. It was oh, Outer, Outer Worlds. Worlds. It's coming to Switch. I have a notification of it on my screen right now. It's, it's popped up. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But uh, I can't imagine how that would run. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I saw an article a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, about EA not having their games on Switch, not having a whole lot of their games on Switch. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, what would be fun on Switch is The Sims. Yeah. Well, and the only reason people don't want their games on Switch is because they do a terrible job of porting their games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, e uh, p people would buy a portable FIFA or Madden if they didn't halfway do their ports. But but yes, you you hear them do a port and then the reviews come out and it's like well it's a it's a six compared to the console mm -hmm. version the, the the full console version being like an eight or eight five and then the port is a six well no one's gonna why why would I buy it there because they just obviously didn't care they were just trying to cash in if mm -hmm. they would it reminds me of when there was a <clears throat> Spider Man game that you could get on the PSP or you could get it anywhere the same Spider Man I think is like. The Amazing Spider-Man. You can get it on PSP. You can get it on Wii. You can get it on Wii U. You can get it on PS3 or 2 or whatever. And it would have been 3. But you, but you had to look at the back of the box to see like which version you wanted to get. Because if you got the version on a PSP, nope. Yeah. Nothing. Well, that's our show. Um, as always, we're giving weekly posts on Tuesday. Uh, well, as not always. As now. Uh, we're giving weekly posts on Tuesdays on YouTube.com and on podcast services. And we're, we're on like nine different podcast services right now. So if you don't want to watch our video, which is just a blank screen with audio going across, go listen to our podcast. You can do it anywhere. Um, you can write in to us at weekly at wheregaming.com. You can go to our website at wheregaming.com. You can tweet to myself at speak Nicholas. And you tweet at me to, at Jaws1015. And until next week, say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick.